and welcome to SSI Live. You've long known the Strategic Studies Institute, or SSI, at the U.S. Army War College as the go-to location for issues related to national security and military strategy with an emphasis on geostrategic analysis. SSI conducts strategic research and analysis to support the U.S. Army War College curricula, assist and inform Army, DOD, and U.S. government leadership, and serve as a bridge to the wider strategic community. Now we're bringing you access to SSI analyses, scholars, and guests through this, the SSI Live podcast series. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to this edition of SSI Live. My name is John Denny, and I'm a research professor of national security studies here at SSI. It's Thursday, April 6, 2023, and today I'm joined by my SSI colleague, Dr. Tony Pfaff. Tony is a research professor for strategy, the military profession, and ethic, and has recently published an SSI monograph entitled Trusting AI, Integrating Artificial Intelligence into the Army's Professional Expert Knowledge. It's available now at the SSI website. Tony, welcome. Oh, thank you, John. Great to be here. Tony, let me ask you first, how does the development of AI and its use in national security today differ from previous technological advancements? So if we had major advancements in in national security in terms of the technology we use in the past, uh, I think you use in the one of your examples in the in this publication, the development of nuclear weapons. How did that or other past technological developments differ from what we see with AI today? And in some ways it hasn't, right? Uh, introduction of things like tanks and submarines and airplanes, you know, ended up requiring new expert knowledge to be developed that also made change that, you know, and, and as, all, as well as make changes in the character of war that caused corresponding changes to doctrine and organizational culture, for example. Um, even more recently, you know, things like uh, automated technologies, uh, whether for targeting or for other kind of decision support systems, introduce some of the concerns that we have with um, uh, 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 with AI, such as automation bias or accountability gap, because that automation reduced the cognitive load on the person uh, and then introduced issues associated with trust. And the, you know, the paradigm example here, of course, is the Vincennes incident, where you had an automated system that uh that was more or less working well uh human operators should have read the output differently uh and uh uh, uh and as a result the uh, uh Vincennes shot down a civilian airliner so in some ways we have those similar problems but there are a couple of differences one thing that i think i i i learned as a part of this exercise was these systems can actually change as they're used uh, uh for example in a series, one series of exercises, a targeting system that originally could only detect certain targets that was programmed to look for, um, like a tank uh, at first, was later able to identify properties of whole units and weapon systems that enabled better prediction of, of, of those systems' behavior. And it can do that because as it amasses data and more data information, uh, it can detect patterns as well as the humans using it can detect patterns and then test uh, and by that, gaining additional knowledge about how things are functioning, uh, both when on friendly and enemy forces. That so the upshot of that is going to be uh, different. Even similar design systems are going to de- are, are going to be developed different capabilities depending on where and how they're used. Uh, uh, so 
so that's one I, that's one uh, area where I think uh, uh, we're just starting to catch up to that and figure out what does it mean to actually have a system that uh, changes uh, over time. Um, it's also getting allowing us to look at the battlefield differently, um, where uh, instead of a you know that cycle of Intel driving ops driving Intel uh, that we're all kind of familiar with. Uh, now we can actually if we get the right kind of sensors with the right kind of information. We can get more or less real time pictures of both friendly and enemy uh, situations uh, that allows for that 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 allows for diff not just better decision making, but different kinds of decision making. So uh, I might be uh, on the Intel side. I might be making judgments because now I know what's going on on the friendly side, more or less real time. And on the friendly side, I might be using information that's not really part of the Intel cycle, but it's part of the operator cycle that uh, allows me to do better targeting. So there, you're seeing that kind of thing merge. And I don't think we've really figured out how that's all going to play out because of all the different kinds of things we can take into account depending on how we design the system. I'm fascinated by the notion of these systems changing as they're used. I mean, are we talking there about machine learning, right? Right. So, uh, so that's what we're, that's so. So it's a feature of of a lot of the AI driven systems that you know the machine learns, and so you can have two different you know automated system you know, AI driven systems that depending on how they're used, they'll, you know, uh, uh, you know, they'll develop almost, I hate to use the word personalities because I don't want to anthropomorphize, uh, but it'll feel like that. Um, uh, 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 now with supervised uh, learning, that doesn't happen as fast, obviously. Uh, and a lot of the systems we use in the military, I think, as far as I know, all employ some kind of supervised learning. But the thing is, it can, and you can take advantage of that. It's not something to be avoided. It's actually something to take advantage of, which we didn't really have to think about with, say, an automated system, which functions the same way every time. You know, that, that begs the question, then, of the kinds of soldiers or uh, troops operating these systems, right? Do they need to have, if the system is learning, what does that mean for the expertise necessary to operate those systems, right? Do we need people who are truly experts in this field, or can we use generalists, if you will, or more broadly based uh, training style for uh, for the individuals that would use these systems? What's what's the better approach here going forward? That's a tough one to answer because uh, right now, just generally speaking, most AI technology knowledge of AI technology belongs to the private sector. Uh, you know, it's in it's in big companies like Tesla, Oracle, and so on, right? Microsoft, a Amazon. Uh, uh, so that technology to actually design these systems, you know, belongs there. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that, you know uh, uh, the tech the, the ability to do, you know to build a tank belongs to the private sector. So that's you know so that's. Uh, not, that part's not necessary. You know, is not a not an issue, but it's the employment that we have to worry about. Uh, and there's one. So, for example, there's one acquisition strategy where I might say I want all the AI and data expertise to be on one side of the interface, uh, where uh, the vendor uh, has all that expertise. And the interface is designed so that all I have to do is employ uh, what military expertise I have. So, for example, determining a priority a target. I don't really have to know what you know, uh, 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 you know how that those targets got up on the screen. I uh, I just have to know which ones I want to shoot. For example, as an example. So. Uh, I think we want to be careful about that uh, 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 because for two reasons. Uh, we found this with automation, right? Where 
if you didn't know how to do what you were doing, uh, do that manually, you really didn't understand the output that the machine was giving you. And as a result, you know, you, you didn't know whether to trust it or not. You just either did or didn't. Um, the other thing you can't do uh, if you don't know how the system is working, at least to some extent, is optimize it. If you're not really aware, if you're not really interacting with it with some level of expertise, you're not going to detect how capabilities not, not only do change, but could change. Uh, so, yeah, so this is going to be one of those things where uh, everybody's going to have to learn something uh, uh, about how data works. Now, I don't think that challenge is necessarily as hard as it sounds uh, now, but we are going to have to develop you know, a cadre of folks who have a very high level of technical expertise. And the Army's doing that. You know, there's like 20 graduates a year from Carnegie Mellon uh, who are in AI uh, getting master's degrees in it. Uh, so we'll, that expertise is building up. Uh, they've created skill identifiers for uh, at, at, at the more technical level and the operator level that as soon as they figure out how to populate those skill identifiers, you know, it'll be it'll be better. They'll they'll be you know, they'll be it will be better able to uh, not only develop that talent, but, you know, put it where it's where it's needed. But, yeah, I, I think everybody uh, is going to have to learn something about how this works. Uh, 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 and I think uh, I, I, and we're still working on exactly what that is. But at a minimum, you're going to have to understand what you you're going to have to get comfortable enough talking about data where you know what you can draw from, you know, you, you know what kind of inferences you can draw from it. You understand what the machine is doing and the kinds of probabilities you can assess from its output. Uh, and um, uh, and then also what kinds of questions you can ask, you know, if a if, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if for example, using cluster analysis, you can identify properties of, uh, of, of uh, you can you can identify properties of something that you're looking at uh, 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 over time. And the more data, and so knowing stuff like that, and knowing how to use a, a cluster analysis or a time series analysis, uh, will it, are big things that commanders and staffs and operators are going to have to know to ask, even though they may not have to be able, they may not need to do it themselves. Let me ask you to unpack that just a little bit more. It sounds like the base of that, the core of this reason why we need everybody to have some exposure to this is trust, right? Uh, how does is that right? And how does trust really figure into this use of AI? No, that's a great question. And in the monograph, we took the position, we took the perspective of uh, the military as a profession. Uh, because it's not simply about uh, it's not simply about just you know, uh, getting a degree in artificial intelligence or data science, or even getting a certificate in that. Um, uh, it goes to uh, how, uh, uh, you know, not only how can, as professionals, we trust ourselves and the organizations that we're part of, but also how our client, the American people and the government, you know, that represents them uh, can trust this as well. And when you look at from the professional perspective, there's Four thing, you know, there, there's four aspects of expert knowledge that um, you need to look at. The first, of course, is the technical that uh, deals with the addresses the functional imperative of the profession. But you also have to understand uh, the human development, uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 ethical as well as the political aspects of the application of that expertise. So, for example. Um, in addition, not, it's not simply enough to get that knowledge. I have to, from the level, uh, from the perspective of the profession, be able to recruit, train, 
educate and then employ uh, uh, people to uh, to employ this technology in a way that gives it also builds them professionally over time uh, uh, so that they can be leaders uh, themselves uh, when it comes to um, uh, uh, <clears throat> the ethical uh, piece we also want to know um, uh, um, uh, we also want we also want to know and understand the norms that are governing its use because that's that's pretty particularly uh, critical for professional client relations. The client may I mean what what distinguishes professions in in one way uh, is often that the client doesn't have the expertise to either provide the service the professional does or to even evaluate the, the the service the professional does. So for example, when you go to your doctor and the doctor tells you you have you know a condition, uh, you're really probably, unless you're also a doctor, you may not be in a, in a position to question that. You might go get a second opinion, but it's still going to be a, a medical opinion. We want, so on what basis, when we employ these technologies, would, say, our client trust us not to have, uh, not be subject to automation bias and to be accountable for, uh, uh, you, know, the, you know, the actions that result. So, um, so, so that brings <clears throat> so uh, 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 and so then that brings to the political, uh, which is uh, uh, particularly when it comes to new technologies, you do have to pay attention to how uh, other stakeholders uh, uh, in that process uh, 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 interact. Uh, I mean, so Peter Singer, for example, brought this up, you know, back when uh, we were just starting to field drones uh, and aerial vehicles. Uh, and he worried that um, uh, that that would change not only the makeup of the military, uh, where, uh, 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 where most of the expertise to employ the system would be with the private sector. Uh, he also worried that, you know, risk-free warfare would change how people value uh, and view military service. It didn't quite evolve the way he worried, the way he thought it might, and there's reasons for that we could talk about. But these are concerns at the political level you have to worry about, particularly, and it's not, you know, particularly when um, uh, you've got, in this case, you've got lots of different entities all trying to do something else, and they, uh, uh, and, and 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 as a result, there is some competition and friction that can result. Uh, and in inefficiency. So you want to pay attention to uh, other folks who are doing the same thing, but you also want to pay attention to how it's going to impact civil relations, particularly regarding expectations, um, as well as uh, 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 because what people, um, you know, uh, if to the extent this you know makes uh, uh, lowers the political costs of going to war, for example, uh, it might actually proliferate its use in ways that you know may have uh, consequences that uh, that may be escalatory or have other consequences we want to avoid. But it can also, when things go wrong, if you don't have the right kinds of have been built the right kinds of expectations, uh, you uh, and things don't work out the way uh, 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 you, you built up, uh, then uh, you can have. Um, uh, you, you you generate you can undermine the trust that you know your uh, the civilian leaders and society has at the same time. Commanders have to be able to trust you know operate you know their staffs and operators that uh, uh, that they're properly curating the um, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, the data has been properly curated uh, and that they have enough understanding of the system that output is explainable and, th and therefore they can be held accountable for it. Uh, and commanders on the hook to, you know, is, you know, you know, is, is on the hook the way we designed the, the system in the monograph, you know, to assess risk. So, Tony, it sounds like the question of trust both uh, flows down to subordinate units, subordinate troops from a commander at really any echelon, but also flows up both to higher echelons, but also to political leaders outside the military. I think the implications of that are pretty significant in terms of how we need to educate and train our leaders and our troops, frankly, for how to use AI and uh, how to incorporate it into operations, planning, doctrine, et cetera. What did you address in the monograph as, or what did you include in the monograph as kind of recommendations to mitigate some of these challenges, to overcome the uh, the issues of trust or lack thereof that we might encounter? What do you recommend DOD do uh, now to prepare us for when this is far more ubiquitous than it is today? So probably our, our our central recommendation was to uh, uh, is to look at how the humans and machines are interfacing. So one of the dilemmas associated that's often postulated with AI is that oh well uh, we're to take full advantage of the speed AI gives you you're going to have to uh, you know you're going to have to loosen human controls. Uh, so you know you'll have less and less you know the more urgent and the faster you need the information, the uh, less human control you want to you know, place on it. Uh, we found that to be some something of a false dilemma. Uh, the machine operates best when it is interacting with, when the humans are interacting with it. So if you just leave it to its own devices, you might get very fast output. But if someone's not curating the data and looking at the output and interacting the machine, then uh, that its accuracy over time will probably decrease uh, because the environment in which it's being employed is, you know, may change as well, uh, uh, either through the effects of war or changes in seasons and the kinds of things that affect the machine's ability to provide reliable output. Um, uh, uh, so, um, uh, what, what we, so, in, in, so in the interface, what we specifically recommended was using something you know, we call the fuzzy logic controller that allowed uh, commanders to take a, um, a uh, the output of the machine because the machine provides you know a, a, a prediction. You know this is a tank. It assigns a probability to it. So I might say eight, you know 80% this is a tank. Um, uh, then what a, a, a commander can do is then make a risk assessment. Now, the risk assessment could be just human judgment, uh, or it could be, you know, also supported by our, you know, AI or data-driven systems. But uh, when you combine the, when, when you, when you, uh, uh, when you put them together, you get, uh, 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 you get a better assessment of where, uh, whether or not you know this is a target, for example, you might want to, you, you might want to engage. So, uh, for example, uh, if I have 80% tank and my risk level is uh, high, in other words, I'm willing to risk things, whether it's the mission, collateral harm, risk to friendly forces. My risk level is high, and I'm pretty sure it's a tank. Then uh, uh, I can, you know, I will, uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I can allow the, the machine to do more of the work. Uh, if my risk level is low 
or the certainty is low, uh, then I will, you know, I can I can set the output of the controller to tell me where in the system I may want to, you know, have humans intervene. Uh, so the result is a better, you know, so the, the result is actually a system that provides better output for which, you know, humans can be accountable for because the human is accountable for ensuring that the machine is, you know, the data is properly curated. They understand how changes in the environment can affect the output uh of of uh, you know of, of the system uh and they're also on the hook for getting the risk assessment right um uh and so these are things i can hold a human accountable for uh and if it's done if if it's done well you're also improving the ability of the machine uh to operate and develop capabilities as well so that was our central recommendation with the others um uh, 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 <clears throat> we definitely think uh, uh, there, there needs uh, uh, there, there there needs to be the, the, on the human development side. We talked about the need to uh, ensure there are uniform people with fairly high levels of expertise, even down to the operational level, uh, which I actually think the Army's kind of is, is 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 starting to work on uh, in the past it's, it's been hard sometimes to track people with that expertise because the basic branch wants them for one thing uh, but they might have gotten this technical degree to go do something else like teach at west point uh, the result might be somebody who is just not you know who's got that expertise but not assignable because a the basic branch needs them somewhere else uh, or not assigned without like a three or four star intervention. We want something a little bit more systematic than that. Um, and when it comes to the political, we, there one thing you know, particularly senior leaders are going to have to understand is how to do that expectation management I talked about earlier. Uh, you know, how do you interact with uh, senior political leaders uh, as well as society to ensure that uh, they understand how the military is changing because uh, that'll affect who joins. Uh, 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 as well as the senior leaders, you know, what can they expect from the use of these systems? So they either aren't or are neither uh, 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 too likely to use it or too reluctant to use it. Tony, it's a fascinating topic. And uh, again, folks, the uh, monograph is entitled Trusting AI, Integrating Artificial Intelligence into the Army's Professional Expert Knowledge. This is going to get a lot of attention in the coming years, Tony, and I think your monograph is a great addition to that discussion. Let's hope the uh, the Army and uh, broader DOD community takes you up on these recommendations. So, Tony Pfaff, Research Professor for Strategy, the Military Profession and Ethics, thank you so much again for joining us today. Oh, thank you, John. This was a great discussion. You can now find SSI Live on TuneIn Radio and on popular podcast directories like Stitcher and at the iTunes Store. If you have any comments on our podcasts, thoughts on what you'd like to see addressed, or a response to something you heard here at SSI Live, please go to our website. That's ssi.armywarcollege.edu. Find me, John Denny, in the staff directory, and send me an email. I look forward to hearing from you. For the SSI Live podcast series, I'm John Denny. Thanks for listening.